Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Sean Walter. He's currently an engineering director at Active Campaign and previously worked at Spot Hero, Belly, and Vocal here in Chicago. We talk about his interviewing advice, he breaks down what he's looking for in a potential hire, and in the technical, we talk about how to build a Slack coffee application. Hello, Sean. Uh, thank you for being on the show and welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, to introduce you, Sean, uh, you are my guest today, currently the engineering, in engineering director at Active Campaign. Uh, you've previously been in director and VP roles at Belly, Spot Hero, Vocal here in Chicago. And I think you're a little bit of a notorious LinkedIn troll uh, <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about notorious, but, uh, you know, I, I take a lot of pride uh, in my my LinkedIn profile, I, I think it's important to carry your brand through to the professional social network. <laughs> sure, sure, it keeps it enjoyable for all the uh, those of us in the recruiting world who yeah. are used to the same stuffy profiles over and over again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Well, can you tell me a little bit about yourself um, and and your team here at Active Campaign and what what you currently do? Uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, historically, I um, like I. I Got my break at Vocal, which is a digital agency here in Chicago. I was there at the right place, right time. iPhone was blowing up uh, and I was a mobile developer. And then I got into leadership, led a lot of engineering there. Um, so mostly I was in mobile uh, through Valley Spot Hero. I came to Active Campaign and my, my first uh, mission, my call to action as I joined was to scale out, build the mobile teams. Uh, and then over time, I've grown to lead the teams that are built on top of our customer experience automation platform. So not the core functionality, but uh, apps, our Chrome extension, uh, Outlook add-in, we just launched uh, sort of vertical experiences and onboarding experiences uh, and front-end focused experiences on the platform. So keeps me very busy uh, working with about four or five teams now. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. Active Campaign's been very good to me. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And just for people who don't know, Active Campaign is a primarily like email marketing automation type software. Yeah, yeah, we um, uh, our big break was uh, email marketing, but the the real value, uh, if a customer gets in there and sees the power of our automations, I mean, we can automate the entire customer experience. We integrate cool. with everything, orchestrate everything, soup to nuts. So from marketing to sales to support, uh, it's the entire customer experience. Automation is our uh, is our pitch and what what customers love from us. Yeah, well, fantastic, uh, great. Well, I know it seems like Active Campaign has grown quite a bit. I'm curious, and, and your teams in particular probably have grown as well. Have you been doing technical interviews lately for your team or, or teams? Yeah, most definitely. Um, we uh, uh, to give you a sense of the the scale. Uh, I joined as Active Campaign employee at two thirty something. I can't remember exactly, and we're crossing eight fifty right as right about now. Wow! Uh, we should be on track to have about a thousand employees by the end of this year, twenty twenty one. And uh, engineering has grown from about thirty five forty people when I joined 
to uh, I think a little north of 200 total in in tech and product. Wow. Um, so I I've been doing a lot of hiring. All of engineering leadership has been trying to scale out our hiring efforts. Um, so uh, yeah, firsthand and secondhand, been doing a lot of technical interviewing. Yeah, and and you've been there three years or so now. Uh, yeah, a little more, a little more than three years, three, three and a quarter. Looking at the calendar. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of growth. I mean, that, that's a huge number of people. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. The um, um, maybe this is is uh, is a little tangential to technical interviewing, but in in growing the engineering teams in general, we've we've um, I, I'd like to say that it was intentional. We've we've sort of scaled and refactored, scaled and refactored. So every year uh, we would have a large glut of hiring, and then we would sort of get our feet under us, calm down a little bit, and then the next year we would hire again. And even through the pandemic, we we paused a little at the beginning of COVID and and made sure everything was still safe and our business was still growing. Uh, but then after that, yeah, immediately got back to it scaled up recuperated and now we're in their our next big push yeah when you say like re recuperate do you mean basically making sure all the people that have been on board are actually you know training and and um actually functioning well and you're able to make sure everyone's kind of operating at the level kind of expected when they that they uh are hired for exactly exactly yeah thanks for thanks for clarifying that yeah. i should take nothing for granted uh much like technical systems if you put them under strain uh, if you scale a technical system, a, a software system, you know, you'll find rough edges, you'll find problems, you'll find, you know, you'll learn stuff. Uh, similarly with org charts and processes and cultures, we bring all these people on board and, you know, it, it points out uh, opportunities for improvement. <laughs> yeah, I, I found often in uh, my recruiting career that it was after someone had done that scaling and trying to refactor a couple of times, they realized, oh, we need a system in place for this or when we need to hire 25 people, right? Because we can't do do what we did last time again, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a, a, a tough realization, but it's valuable to, to realize that like what, what helped us to scale previously is not going to get us to that next mm -hmm. level. You know, we need to systematize it, uh, yeah. make it into a real process so we can repeat it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. on that note, what what are you typically evaluating for when you're you're um, in technical interviews for your team in particular? I'm glad uh, I'm glad you asked this question because I love to get on a soapbox about this. Um, uh, my my peers at Active Campaign, I, I won't speak for them, but I'm fairly certain that they agree with me. We we are of course looking for a baseline competency in a software engineer. Like you should be able to deliver code relative to the expectations of the, the job. But we are, we're really looking for, once we get past that baseline, for traits and values. Mm. So skills can be learned. You know, I, I, I hope that anyone can, can pick up a new language, a new technology, a new framework. Uh, but what's much harder to train is uh, certain traits, certain values. Do you care about the customer? Are you iterative and collaborative? Um, are you humble, you know, for lack of a better word, do you, do you want to collaborate with people? Do you, are you excited about what we're doing? Um, all, all these things are not strictly technical, but through the, through the course of our technical interviews, we try to get to those traits and, 
And um, at least for my teams, I'll be straightforward with candidates up front and I'll say, listen, the exercise is, you know, X, Y, Z. But what we're testing for is how you collaborate with the team. That is, that is what we're actually evaluating here. Um, and hopefully it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the companies that I think of some of the strongest cultures that, that I'd worked with in the past were companies that, that truly cared, maybe, maybe not 100% equally, but it, it seemed like the, the decision was, was pretty even of technical um, competency and, you know, culture fit, culture ad, like basically being able to work well with this person, right? And I think a lot of times that yeah. comes down to having some type of no assholes policy, right? Like you can be the greatest yeah. engineer in the world, but if all the engineers on the team aren't going to enjoy working with you, then you might actually end up being a net, net negative, right? Versus, yeah. you know, someone who needs a little bit more time to ramp up, but, you know, they actually help the team um, as a whole, then it makes a lot more sense to, you know, take a risk on that person, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, you you encapsulated it great there. Um, I've, I've asked, am I allowed to ask you a question? Maybe sure, hypothetically, because yeah. <laughs> I've asked this internally, hypothetically, if somebody had no skills but they lived our values. They were perfect culture mm. ad. They, they brought you a new perspective and they were excited as hell. Uh, would you hire that person? Conversely, if somebody had all the skills in the world, but was the worst human being on earth and was a true just sort of mercenary and you hated working with that person, <laughs> would you hire that person? Yeah, sure, sure. It's a great question. And I think to, to some extent, um, the, the culture of apprenticeship programs and, and even boot camps come out of that mindset, right? Of if, if often apprenticeship programs at companies that have kind of developed a pipeline through that, they're looking at either boot camp graduates or even people that are self-taught or have very little actual technical skills that otherwise match up very well with what they're looking for, right? All those other, those skill sets. And that's something that, that I think, takes a lot of time and effort right you really have to focus on building that um but some companies have great success through that and that's that has become their entire early career hiring pipeline right and then those types of people you get them internally and i think there's a little bit more maybe i don't know if gratitude is the right word but maybe you almost feel like i want to stay with this company longer than i might otherwise because you know they helped me come from very little skill set to you know now i'm a mid-level engineer who's able to make a good living right and that's something i think is valuable for companies to try to foster exactly yeah i mean it it might i don't want it to sound too cynical or, or you know capitalistic but like as a as a manager if you can grow with somebody and there's that that feedback that reward cycle where somebody you know the company invests in them and they invest in the company it's a it's a great thing you know it works yeah. out better for everybody uh yeah. more buy-in more excitement more more everything yeah absolutely so you mentioned there's kind of specific traits you're looking for um do you have a standardized system that you do use when you're interviewing to try to make sure that you're you're evaluating for that or does it change depending on the role and, and the individual uh, a, li a little bit of both we've we've tried uh, we've tried to work with our talent acquisition partners and the hr team to develop a baseline so at the very, at the worst, as it were, uh, a candidate will go through a process uh, that meets a minimum sort of level of quality for senior engineer, sort of mid-level engineer, sort of entry-level engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but the, 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 the best managers take that baseline and then augment it 
to make sure that they're finding someone that's the best fit for their team. Hmm. So uh, sort of um, at a minimum, there's there's a rubric for the interview. But um, like uh, currently one of my teams is very specifically looking for a senior engineer that has certain um, architectural skills and language skills because we need somebody that has walked this path before mm -hmm. that can help us to help the mid-level engineers on the team to really just, you know, get to that next level. So in that case, we have very specific rubric uh, in terms of traits and technical skills that we're looking for, for that team. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And, and you mentioned um, earlier when we were speaking, you, you also have kind of a, a process of, of um, kind of a conceptual interview and then a take home interview potentially. Can you walk me through that, the interview process in general? Yeah. Uh, well, it, uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll try because it, it differs from team to team. So I'll, I'll yeah. try to, um, I'll, I'll start with the baseline and then talk about some of my team's sort of specialization. So the standard process would be an engineer is either approached by uh, recruiting, talent acquisition, uh, or applies. They look interesting. Uh, they're generally a, a phone call. And then that first uh, technical screen would be a, a hacker rank quiz. And mm. uh, I know firsthand and secondhand that <laughs> quizzes uh, can, be, um, uh, can be scary. You know, the test anxiety is a real thing. I've seen incredible engineers that have, you know, decades of experience just completely fall flat when they're given a timed quiz. Uh, so I totally, I totally understand that it's fraught. So we try to make it, and I, I tell candidates uh, in the phone screen, like, we're trying to make this as chill as possible. There's no, there's no time limit. It's not, there's no tricks. If you see anything weird, it's not, it's not meant to, to uh, mess you up. Like it's probably our mistake if you see anything weird. So please just tell us how it's going, just communicate. Like we're, we want you to succeed. We're looking for you to, to go to the next step. We're not looking for reasons to turn people down. Uh, so we, we do our best to make this quiz, which has, depending on the level, uh, a language challenge, a SQL challenge, uh, and uh, or I think it's two language challenges and a SQL challenge now. So try to make it as easy as possible without, you know, completely giving it away. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for And then from there, uh, in the standard process, a candidate will talk to the team um, about some of this code uh, that they wrote in the hacker rank. Uh, and best case, it's a, it's a collaborative discussion about like, you know, uh, if this was a product, how might you make it better? If it was more than just a quiz, if you actually wanted to um, uh, query these things and, and visualize them in some way, how might you approach that? Uh, and then there's a, a second interview unrelated to that code challenge, which is uh, conceptual and given a uh, something like a product brief, you know, make a, make a thing that does something. Uh, you talk about how you would approach it, uh, collaborate with some of our senior engineers to figure out what, uh, what the architecture would look like, uh, poke some holes in it, figure out edge cases or, you know, problems to be aware of. And like, I, like I said, and I'll probably say a million times more, excuse me, through all that, we're looking for, um, the, the traits more than the perfect answer. Because again, we know that like in an interview setting, 
it's there's there's a lot to be anxious about. So we're we just want somebody that's gonna collaborate, be curious, be humble, you know, have have good ideas and and uh, you know be able to be able to brainstorm to to figure something out. Yeah. Um, so that that's the baseline for most teams that that I work with, but with um, some teams that are a little more front end focused or and the mobile teams. Uh, we've, we've gone back and forth on this. Instead of the hacker rank, we'll offer a take-home exercise, mm. which is, I hope, again, pretty chill. It's, you know, hit an API and then visualize that stuff. And in the, in the prompts, it'll say, we're, we don't want this to be the best code. It doesn't have to be production ready. You can write tests or not write tests. Like, just get the information and visualize it on screen so it looks like this. And in the front end case, it says it very explicitly, we are looking for you to match the design spec above all. Uh, don't have to worry about any features. Just pull the first page, do this. On the mobile app, it's saying, uh, we just want you to get the information on screen. Don't worry about the design. So ideally, the candidate does this in a couple hours, invests that time, and then comes in. And in the on-site interview, or I guess it's not on-site, it's a virtual, <laughs> in the discussion interview, uh, the team talks to the candidate about um, how they would take what they had, this, this uh, um, you know, trinket, this novelty, this, this little challenge, and then do something to it. So in the, sometimes it'll be, could you add pagination to it? Could you add sorting and filtering? Hey, what if the designer came in and said, oh, I want this all to be blue instead of red or something like that? Yeah. And uh, as I said, I'll repeat myself. What we're looking for is traits and values because uh, nobody's going to get the perfect answer. But if a mobile engineer or a front-end engineer can just talk about it and collaborate and, you know, get along with the person, then that, that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a lot. There's a lot to interviewing, I, I realize, sure. as I'm talking through it. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's great insight, though. And, and I think something that's so critical is if you're doing some type of take home or some type of hacker ring, actually using that code later in the process, right? Having a conversation about that code, mm -hmm. I feel like is makes someone who's interviewing much more um, interested in actually doing that challenge, right? Instead of just this is an arbitrary bar, I have to jump over to actually basically actually start interviewing um like yeah. this is something that I'm doing that then is part of the interview process later, right? Uh, yeah. Which I think is I don't know, a much better situation. It feels much better when you're interviewing, right? Because that code actually feels yeah. worthwhile versus just, let me make sure I pass the hacker rank, pass fails, test cases that are in there so I can move on to actually talk to someone. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I'm sure you and I both have had those where it's uh, uh, just throwaway, just homework. Yeah, it's like, why, totally. why are you making me jump through these hoops? Does this have any actual values? Is it anything to do right. with what, you, what the work is? Or is this just a test, uh, a hoop to jump through. Yeah, I, it, it's, I was going to say, this can be your soapbox. I don't, I don't, this podcast doesn't need to be my soapbox, but I could go on for hours about how people saying, oh, it's only an hour take home. And I'm like, where am I, where am I going to find that hour? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to find this hour to then maybe spend more hours talking, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I guess I on that note, um, it's probably been a, been a while since you were actually doing technical interviews yourself, but how do you feel you did a technical interviews in the past when you were in more of a, you know, um, traditional individual contributor role or where you were writing more code day to day? 
Oh boy. Have I got, I've got some stories. None of them. I'm not the hero in any of them. I, I, uh, <laughs> if like, I, uh, uh, probably didn't do well. I think, I think that's the short way to do it, to, to summarize it. Like I, I remember, I think I can say now, cause it's been long enough. Like I, uh, years and years ago, I applied to work at Groupon, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the mobile team and I had an okay interview. Uh, it went okay with the sort of product and design and other engineers and the sort of more social, but the technical one was very sort of quizzy. Uh, the yeah. engineer at the time was like, well, tell me about uh, how does an array work? I'm like, okay, um, are you talking about an NS array or a core foundation or just like an array conceptually? And she's like, oh, I don't know, whichever one you want. I'm like, okay, so I'll talk about NS array. You ask for trivia. I'll tell you how Apple's frameworks work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's, uh, it, it, you know, uh, the, the, the follow-up, I remember this is burned into my mind. The follow-up was like, which, which data structure uses the most memory? And I was like, I, I don't know where to begin with that. Like what, <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be difficult. And I felt bad because I was like, I don't want to be difficult, but like, my understanding of NSRA is that behind like behind the scenes, Apple optimizes that and uses three different actual data structures to back the objects and blah, 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 and all this like technical minutia nobody cares about. And she was uh-huh. just like, just say, just say array. Just say array. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, but the the punchline to this is after all this that didn't go very well, the recruiter t- called me up and said, uh, your your interview went okay on average. Uh, one of their super senior, their staff engineers would like to talk to you and do an exercise. I said, okay, sounds good. I'm very excited about this opportunity. I'll talk to the staff engineer. And I get on a, a video chat with the staff engineer and he says, all right, we're going to go through this exercise. No Googling, please share your screen. Uh, it should be pretty straightforward. And then we'll, we'll talk about the company right after that. All right, cool. He, he says, again, burned into my memory. He says, uh, given a binary number, uh, what bitwise operation would you use to count the ones in that binary representation? Ooh. Obviously, you know this off the top of your head, Taylor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, again, I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to be difficult, but do you do this often? Uh-huh. Do you find yourself like <laughs> using a bitwise operator to count ones? Because I can Google it right now and do it. I have done binary operations, but off the top of my head, I don't know. And he's like, well, let's just talk about it. And I'm like, it's a one line thing. What is there to talk about? And obviously I didn't get that job, but (laughs) this stands out as the worst of the worst where I just, I was a jerk about it. And they, you know, they wanted somebody that was going to, like we said, jump through the hoops. And I, I just, I don't, if this is what you're looking for, I don't think I'm a fit. Cause like, I, I'm just not going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I used to say 
very often about like, you know, the thing type companies, right? Really large companies that have these incredibly difficult interview processes. They're, they're often not actually looking for the best engineer. They're looking for the best engineers who will spend the time to dedicate towards learning their interview process, exactly. studying and prepping to actually pass those interview processes, right? Because that shows a certain level of, I don't know, I want to be here-ness, right? Versus just great engineer who might go there for a little while and then leave because they realize there's some other company that will actually probably pay them more or let them do something interesting when they realize the job, you know, all this crazy prep work you did is just to do the same type of job you were probably doing somewhere else. Right. Exactly. So, I don't know if Groupon was in that same category at some point, but uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, no shade the Groupon. I'm sure, I'm sure they should be selective. Uh, but yeah, the same, uh, I have the same sentiment. I, I've never gone through an interview round with the, the FANG organizations, but friends of mine that, that work at Facebook and Apple or have worked there, uh, talk about the same thing. You, you, you go, it's like SAT prep, you know, it doesn't matter about the actual information. What matters is you pass the test yeah. and it shows that you can pass the test. And then once you're in, you're in, it's great. I hope, uh, yeah. but it's less about like, um, the, the actual skills and more about the test, you know? Mm -hmm. So you feel great about interviews as you've done in the past, right? <laughs> the long and the short of it. Yeah. The, um, uh, I, I don't want to go off, off the rails too much, but, um, just interviews in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, better than me, you've, you've, you're in the biz, you know, uh, interviews in general are so, uh, in, inaccurate. Uh, sort of like arbitrary, you know, Some, sometimes you have a good interview and it's for no reason. And the yeah. team all says like, oh, I like that person. And like, well, but can they do the job? I don't know. Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're right. You try your best. Uh, years yeah. ago, I hired a guy that through, for all that we could see, couldn't actually write any code. Uh, and we did not put him through a technical challenge we we just sort of talked about all the things he had done and uh without an exercise he showed up and then he didn't deliver anything for a month and we had to we had to let him go I, again this was like four or five years ago um but it was so and then at that point i was like well okay we should probably do some test mm -hmm. but like i you don't want to make a test that's testing the wrong thing you don't want to make yeah. a test that's hard for its own sake you don't want it like anyway that's just Interviews yeah. are tough, is what yeah, I'm I mean, saying. I had a job for a long time solely based on the fact that hiring is hard, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, oh, when you're in a situation like you know, like that that story you shared of maybe there's a technical problem you really don't even know how to approach or, or something that's just difficult. Do you have any type of system that you use to try to maybe find somewhere to start or to break down that question? Uh. I don't, I don't have a system or if I do, it's not a satisfying system because, uh, when, when I'm the interviewer, uh, I would always like somebody to be, as I think I mentioned earlier, curious, humble, mm -hmm. uh, interested. Um, uh, so I, I, when I found myself in technical interviews, uh, in the past, I would try to do that. Yeah. I, I know even as a, um, I think it was a manager role. Uh, I interviewed in a, for a manager role at a small company here in Chicago a while ago. And they had a architecture discussion and they, they were talking about um, 
I can't even remember the database, but it was some database that wasn't relational. There was something special to it. And they were like, well, we want to use this database because of something, something. And we're on AWS. So let's go to the whiteboard and talk about it. And that whole interview was like me asking them questions. Mm-hmm. I go, well, what do you, what do you think we should do? Like, why, why do you think this? Cause like, I knew I didn't get that job. I, <laughs> I knew that I didn't have the answer as it were. So mm-hmm. I tried my darndest to just be collaborative, humble, approachable, curious. Um, Cause if it goes well, and that company is looking for that, then cool. And then if it doesn't go well, then that's an indicator that that's not a fit, right? Like mm-hmm. if that's the person they want that can do that exercise, then I'm not that person. Yeah, I think that's that's a difficult thing when interviewing to to recognize too, especially in the moment, especially if you have any emotions tied up in the interview process. Like sometimes there are roles that individuals are just not a good fit for, right? And mm-hmm. I think the frustrating part is there's often not a lot of closure other than kind of a, a cold rejection email. But if you're able to recognize yeah. that of, oh, it's, it's not a me thing. It's that effect that mm-hmm. there's skills that they need that I don't possess, right? And that that's perfectly yeah. fine, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I realize as you, as you collect that uh, insight that I also speak from a, a position of privilege because I've never, as long as I've been in tech at least, I've never worried about getting a job. There was always a job that I could get. So I, I can only imagine how fraught it is if you need a job yeah. and you're going into an interview, it's very difficult to be like cool and, and fun and collaborative when like you, you need a job to live. So like all the advice, all my advice goes out the window when there is actual stakes, you know, Uh, because, because of my privilege, because of the place I've come from. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's, that's the other, I mean, even, even this, this whole show, right. The difficult part of it is, you know, it's trying to get advice from different types of folks and different individuals because everyone's perspective is different and everyone's experience is different, right. Going through any interview process, right. And just trying to share insights into a whole variety, right. Cause yeah, certainly some people go getting a job is easy versus this is the hardest part of engineering is getting the job right. And some people's minds. So it's, it's a whole spectrum. Most definitely. Do you have other tips? I mean, those are, those are certainly some great ones of trying to be humble and and curious and collaborative. And I think those are ones that I lean on that are, um, that are very common trends throughout Mm -hmm. people that have been on the show. I mean, any other tips that you have for engineers that are going into technical interviews? Um, I mean, I, uh, um, uh, there was a, a, a coding Academy, a boot camp in town that has since, uh, gone out of business and pivoted, but uh, mobile makers uh, used to be um, upstairs from Vocal, the agency I worked with. And I would go up there and I gave a talk at the end of the semester for a couple couple years, I think, uh, mentored. God, one of, some of the best engineers I worked with came out of there. Uh, but I would give this talk, uh, how, how get job. And uh, with the disclaimer that like, this, this, like I said a moment ago, this is out of my position of privilege. Like me, a tall white guy getting a job. Wow, well, tall is generous. Uh, you know, relatively tall. <laughs> is is entirely like I I don't know. So like I I do my best. Uh, but I would stand up and I would say like it's it's a three step process. Like, do stuff, meet people, and be cool. 
So do stuff, have some sort of portfolio. It doesn't have to be a lot, but like have something uh, for mobile. It might be an app in the app store for web development. It might be like a simple service or a front end or like just something because like as a hiring manager, I know I see uh, thousands of those same cookie cutter tutorials in people's GitHubs, which is fine. But I know that you can follow along in the tutorial, like show me your personality, show me something. Yeah. Uh, one candidate a long time ago, I told you the, the front end exercise was hit an API and render um, uh, the list. So this candidate, uh, we didn't end up hiring, but I, I still keep her in mind and I, for any job, she, she took the list and or our demo account was broken. We had forgot to like renew it or something. So instead of complaining though, she made another trial account with active campaign and set it up with demo data from the Avengers, put Avengers characters into the database yeah. and then queried that to render it on screen and then themed the whole thing. So it was like snail mail and there was a little snail CSS animation going around the thing and there were the Avengers thing and she put gravitars in. And I was like, this is her personality. Like it's, you know, she showed off what she could do. Uh, but anyway, step one, do stuff, have some sort of portfolio. Step two is meet people. That's very hard in, in COVID times, but yeah. uh, all the all the people I know that got jobs, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what is that bias? All the people I know that got jobs, uh, got jobs because I know them. Uh, all the jobs I got were through friends or friends of friends. Like the, the mm -hmm. social network is incredibly valuable. Somebody can refer you. Um, so like, just find a way to, to meet people somehow. And yeah. uh, for entry level people, I think, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, I've been surprised if you just sort of message somebody on LinkedIn and say like, hey, could we talk about computers? <laughs> a lot of people will say, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then finally, the, the be cool advice is a little tongue in cheek, but like people wanna work with nice people. So. Mm -hmm find a way to be, as we've said many times now, humble, collaborative, excited, interested, like, uh, cause once you, once you get the interview, if you can, uh, be somebody that they want to work with, then, you know, you're in. So for whatever that's worth, uh, do stuff, meet people, be cool has been my stock advice for a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's great. And, that, and that's something the, the meet people, I think that's the a difficult part for for a lot of people right a lot of people think i know i got to build something right and once I, I learn how to code i can put something together right and mm -hmm. then the actual meeting people it, it almost feels like a whole new skill set right and when i was i worked at actualize as, as helping um boot camp guys get their first job for for several years and that was the part that i think it was a difficult realization for a lot of people it was like oh i just learned how to code now i have to learn how to talk about what i do and like to strangers right if they weren't necessarily yeah. super comfortable about talking to strangers and but but that's i mean very accurate of if you message people and say hey i'm, I'm getting started in this i built this thing right um i love to chat with you like maybe you have any feedback on it or like just can you share more about what your job is like, right? Those types of conversations, uh, you gotta have a lot of them, right? To, to, to learn and you gotta, gotta pull different bits of information. But when I was first starting to code, I think I spoke to, you know, 40, 50 people. And my first job actually came out of that, right? Just one of those conversations. And I got some really great advice. I also got some maybe questionable advice, but speaking to a lot of people, let me see the trends of 
okay, these are definitely the things I should focus on. And this is definitely yeah. kind of the stuff I should highlight when I'm talking to people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm laughing so hard because I was definitely in the questionable advice column. <laughs> no, I think you, uh, the questionable yeah, advice. No, it's some, fine. Someone told me to study the Linux, an open source, um, like an open, uh, specifically Linux offshoot open source kernel documentation and source code um, and they're like that's how you'll really know how everything works and i'm like i'm sure that w is true but it would just take me 10 years to get from this source code to a web developer role, right yeah <laughs> so that that stands out as probably a piece of maybe i wouldn't pass that advice along to people <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, that's, uh, you never know. That's the problem with giving advice, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and I'm sure that that's how that person got their first job. So, you know, to them, it makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Uh, great. Well, usually ask if there's any different advice for early career engineers, but I think that stuff is, you know, very much geared towards early career engineers anyways. Um, yeah. Any other horror stories before we, you know, as as we come to the close of the, the first half here and, and move into the technical, any other horror stories? The group on one, I think, fits in that category for sure. <laughs> any other stories you want to share from interviewing in the past on either side of the table? Maybe a positive one well, if you have something else. I, uh, well, I, uh, <laughs> How, how much are you going to edit this? Because I have—I don't know if this is approachable, but a couple—it's been months now. But you know, I—I—I'm very happy to active campaign. I have no interest in leaving. Uh, but I, I'll take a, a call. You know, and I was talking to an early stage startup, uh, a very exciting SaaS. Um, God, what were they? It was SaaS for some sort of finance thing. So fintech and SaaS. Oh wow, that's exciting. Sure. Uh, and as a director, uh, VP level. Um, they, they scheduled a call and I thought it would be a friendly chat. And I got on the call and the, the CTO says, uh, we, I'd like to share your screen now. Uh, I have a, you know, code pen thing set up. I'd like to do a technical mm -hmm. exercise. I, I immediately, I mean, I couldn't leave the building cause it was on zoom, but I was like, <laughs> I, you know, like I good on you, you know, if that's what you want in a director, then more power to you. Uh, and we had a little discussion about should directors write code. And I was like, for me in my career, it's not, not really right for me, but I, I, you know, more power to you. If I bump into anybody, I'll send them your way. Uh, but that was, that was supremely awkward. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just <laughs> that expectation setting, you know, have an agenda for the event before you show up. <laughs> totally. And that's, I think on both sides, you, you can always ask, you know, what should I expect to prepare? Some companies will give you more insightful info than others. Um, and then, yeah. you know, as the company sharing, this is what you will be doing in this interview, right? If nothing else gives people the, I say the study guide for the interview, right? Instead of it could be any type of interview, at least point them in the right direction, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, you, uh, you show up and you're just like, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, expectations, uh, whether recruiting or anything in life, I, I, I just say expectations over and over again, because yeah. like, if you know what you're in store for, if you know what's coming up then you know, no problem, but you know, people in general don't like surprises, don't like to be disappointed. So, uh, I, I try my best. Maybe there's somebody listening to this that interviewed with me in the past, but I do try my best to set expectations all along the process to make sure that it's as as painless as possible uh yeah for everybody yeah 
Well, fantastic. Well, we'll take a, a quick break here and then we'll move into our, our second half. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks. Great. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.